Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mold Talks. I'm your host, Michael Rubino. And today's very special guest, her name is Alexis. Alexis, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to be with us here today and share your story. It means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to the people listening. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm always happy to talk about this. I think it's a conversation that needs to be happening in more circles. Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with you there. As a matter of fact, I think we need to really talk about this a lot more. I mean, there's so many things that we know today um, about the effects of mold that can have on us, the effects of bacteria and water damage, et cetera. Um, but there are still are so many unknowns, still many things that we have to correlate and really put pieces of the puzzle together. Um, and we won't do that unless we're more aware of the profound effects that it has on us. So thank you for for being a part of that and uh, helping me share this today. Uh, so just give me the basics. When did you first discover that mold could have been a problem for you? Yeah. So um, looking back, I realized I had significant exposures all my life, but my symptom did, symptoms didn't start till 2018. Um, started with some vision stuff, a lot of numbness and tingling. I was getting lost driving familiar places. I couldn't speak you know, I would go to say something and I couldn't get the thoughts from my brain to my mouth. Um, I woke up one day and couldn't move my left leg. I mean, literally thought I was having a stroke, went into the ER, um, you know, and then of course the healthcare experience was not good. It was just, you're making this up. This isn't real here. I thought I was having a stroke. Um, just some really, really crazy symptoms and went through this whole Western medical workup for six months and really didn't get anywhere. Um, and it wasn't until, um, I had, well, I had gotten tested for Lyme and tested positive for that and was treating for that, but I was getting so much, so much sicker on these protocols that were supposed to make me well. And I was going to my physician saying something isn't right. Like, I know I'm not supposed to feel good, but this is like, I feel like I'm going to die. This is I'm really, really sick. And she didn't really listen to me. And so I ended up leaving her practice and going to see another physician who at that time I discovered um, the book Toxic by Dr. Neil Nathan, who, um, you know, for those that don't know, specializes in the sensitive patient. And I read his book and I just remember thinking like, I felt seen, like he wrote this book about me here. I was doing all the right things and I wasn't getting well. And so I asked my physician, um, can we consult with him? And, and my physician was phenomenal. And he said, yes, I don't have an ego. I love Dr. Nathan's word. Let's do it. So I applied, I got in, we had our first three-way call with Dr. Neil Nathan. And he said, yes, Alexis, you have Lyme. I see that in your testing, but you, per your symptoms, you're a mold patient. And that was the first time it had come on my radar. And um, yeah, that was, that was, that was the first mention of mold where everything clicked and I went, okay, now I know what's making me sick. Hmm. That's really interesting. So it was through your own research, finding this book, reading this book, really resonating with that book and saying, this, this sounds like me setting up an appointment with the author of that book and really mm -hmm. having that person dive into the, to your labs and suspect that, that you had mold. Where, where do you think you were getting the exposure at that time? Oh gosh, where wasn't I getting the exposure? Um, my childhood home, our basement flooded. My sister can remember the Barbie dolls floating in the basement. Um, you know, I had had significant exposure during my time in the military, my tech school dorm room, my whole wall was black mold. Um, and I was sick the whole time I lived in there. Uh, we lived on an island for two years from 2013 to 2015, which was like, 
<laughs> I call it mold capital of the world because everything molded, your clothes molded, your car molded, your shoes molded, your, I know one woman um, lost all her wedding pictures because they just molded sitting in a box. You know, there was just so much humidity that um, everything molded. The smell of mold is like nostalgic to me because it reminds me of my time on the island because everything just smelled like it over there. And then we had bought a home that was, you know, a hundred years old and had all sorts of water damage. Um, we had had a massive water loss, which was, uh, we were displaced from our house for six weeks while they came in and did a mitigation and, um, tore up in the walls and put new flooring in. And, um, I, and then even, you know, and then we had gotten orders to California and we're living in an apartment while I was trying to get well and didn't realize it, but that had mold. Um, Eventually, our AC unit had started leaking through the ceiling because it had frozen up. And I noticed every time I turned the air conditioning on, I felt even more sick. And um, come to find out there had been water, prior water damage in uh, that apartment. And we just, every really everywhere we went, we were getting an exposure. So from, from that story, I mean, it's pretty difficult to avoid mold at that point because everywhere you go, it seems to follow you. Um, Based upon the largest home survey ever done in 1994 by John Spangler, he said 50% of homes had water damage. I mean, 50%, I think is pretty conservative. Uh, it's probably a lot higher, but uh, it's pretty interesting because, you know, once you are sensitive to mold, you know, you really can't escape it. You kind of have to confront it head on and combat it and come up with different cost-effective ways to limit your exposure, right? Um you lived it, you did it a lot in the military. You lived in, in the mil on the military bases most of the time. No. So, so other than my short time in the military, um, we had never lived in base housing until we got to California and I was treating and already very, very sick. And we were trying to get into base housing because my kids went to school on base. Um, my doctors were on base and I couldn't drive. I was so sick. So I was like, we need a house on base. And they opened up what they called the flats, which was like these little remodeled condos. And we said, okay, but we have to mold test it first. And they wouldn't let us. They said, you sign the dotted line or you give it up. And we would have never gotten another house. I mean, we were in hotels at this point, pretty much homeless. Yeah. So we took the risk and moved in. And it wasn't until after that, after I we moved in and I was like, well, this clearly has mold based on my symptoms um, that we tested it and it came back atrociously high. Wow. It's my understanding that a lot of the military base housing is it's not actually run and managed by the military. There's independent no. contractors. Absolutely. Is that accurate? That is accurate. Yes. Belfer Beatty is the company that runs them um, and did just plead guilty to covering up many, 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 many more cases. Wow. Well, that, that is something that needs to be looked at and revisited because obviously this mm -hmm. is putting, putting our military in harm's way, which is, uh, you know, pretty criminal offense in my opinion, um, because these are the people that are serving and protecting us as a nation and we need to serve and protect them as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's my understanding that a lot of the problems that we deal with in housing issues are because we have third-party housing companies um, you know, think management companies and landlords and things of that nature, where there's these big companies with third parties overseeing things and, you know, their interest is keeping costs low. And that means poor maintenance. And that means issues that lead to mold. And, you know, that whole system needs to be revamped because guess who's suffering, right? It's us Absolutely. living inside these facilities. Uh, and I'm sorry that you had to go through that. And no one, no one should have to go through that military or otherwise, uh, and I think that it, it happens far too often. 
Um, let's talk about what, what kind of happened after that. I mean, um, how did you, how did you finally start to get out of this and start to get a sense of normalcy and get your health back in line so that you're not suffering? Yeah, well, it certainly wasn't a fast process. Um, you know, rule number one is you have to get out of mold and people, you know, I'm a, in a practitioner in training right now and still like you tell people that and they don't, they don't want to move. They don't want to remediate. They don't want to, they don't want to believe that they, you have to get out of that environment. Um, so that really was step number one. And Dr. Nathan was very clear about that, that like, this is like swimming upstream. We're not going to treat you until you can get out of the mold. And at this point I was so sick. I was, I mean, I weighed a little over hundred pounds. My hair was falling out. I was going into anaphylaxis. Um, I couldn't eat anything. And so the only way out was my husband, um, he had done his 20 years in the military and he submitted for retirement because we were like, we have to get out of California. We have to go somewhere to a different climate. Um, and it got denied originally. And then his commander kind of went up to bat for him and fought for it. Um, and we it ended up getting um, approved. And we got eight days from the day of it getting approved to when we had to be out. We didn't know where we were going to go. We didn't have a job. I mean, he was retiring from the career he'd had for 20 years. And we, um, some old neighbors of ours that we had had in California, an older couple had moved to Boise and they opened their doors to us and let a family of five move in on them for six months. And of course, let us test the home and came back low. Rana hurts me too. It came back low score. And for the first time in almost two years, we thought I felt safe. I was out of mold and I was able to really start focusing on the supportive therapies that were going to make me well. Um, it did involve a tremendous amount of limbic retraining because at that point, like my, I had become so hypervigilant to mold, you know, my brain was trying to protect me, but I had become so sensitive that like, I was like a bloodhound. I mean, I could, my daughter could open chapstick from four rooms over the doors closed and I would have a severe reaction. Like my blood pressure would drop. My face would welt up. My hands would welt up. I, you know? Um, so I was just so overly sensitized to it that I had to really, and, and you know, this was just the expertise of, of Dr. Nathan. He just kept saying like, you're not even ready for treatment. You have to do limbic training and calm your stress system for a very long time before we're going to be able to introduce any of these other things. And so once we got into that safe environment, that's what I did. I did limbic training for, two years. And it wasn't even until this year that I was able to start the protocols, uh, you know, binder regimens and stuff to really get me well. So over that two year period, you're doing this limbic retraining. Um, are you noticing any improvements through the limbic retraining that, you know, cause I think some people listening may go, well, if I have to wait two years just to even start to get, to start the process to then get better, it, it feels hopeless. And um, yeah, I would love for you to kind of paint that picture. What were those two years like and how did you get the motivation to keep going? Totally. Um, well, first of all, just getting out of the mold and being in an environment where I was knew I was safe. Um, I had for the first time through this whole journey, we had support and people that believed us that in and of itself was tremendously healing that coupled with a physician that was empathetic and caring and listened to me. Like there's so much healing just in that. And having a doctor like Dr. Nathan say, you can get well, I know you're very sick, but you can get well. And that hope and that belief was a huge turning point for me. It was very helpful. And I saw, yes, 
you know, it's one of those things where you don't notice the tremendous impact and the power of it until you look back. And um, so even though progress felt slow, I was getting, oh, I was, I was tremendously better. I would say within three months of being out of mold, reducing the stress, um, you know, just supporting my body, clean food, clean air, clean water, things like that. Um, Yes. And then I just continued to progress. Now I was a Dr. Neil Nathan said to me at one point, he said, Alexis, you're one of the most sensitive patients I've ever worked with. So coming from Dr. Neil Nathan, that's not a compliment. Like that says something about the severity of how sick I was. Um, But yes, I mean, I I saw improvements and because I saw the improvements, I kept going. I knew that, I mean, what was the alternative to quit? And, you know, I wasn't going to get well doing that. And so uh, my goal was to get to the point where I was calm enough and I could take the binders and um, saw progression all along the way was, you know, little by little, oh, now I can tolerate the supplement. Now I can tolerate seven foods instead of four. Now I can walk into a building and not have massive reactions to smells. Hey, I'm getting to the point where I can go in somewhere and I'm not smelling mold everywhere I go. So there was definitely hope and progression happening every step of the way. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really important to know because, I mean, obviously it hits everybody differently. Um, you know, if we learn, if we learn anything through history, we understand that there's lots of things that we're exposed to in life, bacteria, mold, toxins, VOCs, formaldehyde, you know, you EMFs, you name it, uh, different people are going to react differently to certain things. Um, and it's really important to know that because for so many people that are struggling with, you know, health and they're looking at their environment as a potential cause, uh, it can get really confusing really fast because, Certain people may have instantaneous reactions when they move out. Certain people may not feel uh, anything at all, or maybe not, not even aware that they're feeling different. Um, and that causes conflicts internally in families. Uh, you said you had a great support system, which is fantastic. There, there are lots of people that do not have a great support system. And uh, you're shaking your head no. So no, I'm in. I didn't have a support system. My husband was, my husband was phenomenal. Um, literally phenomenal. It just was so good to me. And my best friend, other than that, we, nobody believed us. Mm. I mean, the medical system, our our families, it was, in fact, that was probably the hardest part about my entire journey. The support system that we had were these two old neighbors that, that, you know, stepped up and opened their home and they did as well, believe us and um, were willing to support us in any way. But no, I would say, (laughs) The majority of my story was was not filled with support. I'm so glad that your neighbors were, you know, believing of you and opened their doors to you because that that is such a blessing to receive something like that. Um, you know, society is, uh, let's just say, less than forgiving uh, about some of these things. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of damage that's been done over the past couple of decades, such as ah, mold's no big deal, throw some bleach on it. You know, yeah. that's just dirt. You know, we've heard all these things. Um, And we now have to fight to work backwards and say, Mm -hmm. nope, those are wrong. And actually it is a problem. And there's 285 studies ongoing uh, that have, that have been published that support the fact that mold and bacteria and water damaged buildings can create a profound effect on our health. And if I just just read a BBC article, one in six cases of cancer caused by poor air quality, one in six cases. of I absolutely believe it unbelievable, right? Like where does this start and stop? We're here in cancer. We're here in respiratory disease. 
uh, we're, we're seeing brain fog, chronic fatigue, right? It shows up differently in different folks. Yep. And I think that's why it's so important. And so, you know, so important to know about these things and not, not in a way where we're scared, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm imagining that yeah. there was probably a point in time where you were scared, right? Because there's this big mystery and what do I do? Yeah. But once you kind of understand a bit about mold and how it's, cre- how it's, how it really opportunistically invades our homes and spaces, um, we can kind of prevent more prevention, more things we can do right now. We're very reactive to the situation, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, mainly because we walk into these situations unknowingly, you know, we walk into a home, just like you did, you walked into places, you hoped that they were clean. You didn't have the opportunity to test it and verify. And now you're in living in there. Um, and if we know better on that front, we can prevent ourselves from getting into these situations. And if we know that once we're in situations, we can do our best to prevent and maintain the space so that we don't get impacted by it. These are the things that, that we need to do. So it's just a shifting of the mindset a bit, which I, I, I think that you probably have gone through. You know, mm-hmm. for, for folks that are listening that uh, maybe haven't shifted their mindset yet, um, can you kind of walk us through that that shift for you and how that happened where you went from fear to, you know, full on uh, taking control of the situation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, fear was absolutely exacerbating my illness, you know, so here was all these strange symptoms. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if I was dying or what it was. But once it had a name and an understanding that took away a piece of the fear. And, and, and right there is like, there's some healing right in that. And then with the limbic retraining is basically you're, you're retraining your limbic system to say, okay, like, yes, large amounts of mold are unhealthy, but everybody's exposed to it everywhere. And small amounts are normal. And I had to get to a point where I could like train my, my body and my brain to know that. Um, and as the fear dissipated, the symptoms also dissipated a lot, you know, a lot of, there was just a lot of healing that happened to the point now where the home that I got sick in was recently, we are back in Montana now, but we live in a different town and that house came back for up for sale and we were back visiting and we went and took a walk through the house and I don't have any reactions to anything. Now I don't walk into a building and react to it anymore because of the work that's been done and put into it because of the retraining of the limbic system and the supporting of the body and knowing that like, you know, there are some people that get into situations where they're like, I I can't live in this world because it's toxic and I'm never, you know, everything's always going to make me sick, but you can get to a position where you can, even though this world is exponentially more toxic than it was 50 years ago, if we take care of our bodies and we, um, you know, train our brains and bodies to know that we're safe, we can live, you know, in this environment. I have a theory, which, mm-hmm. which, uh, you, as you were talking, uh, just brings up a, an interesting point and would love for, for you to, um, to explore this theory with me, but our, our brains and our bodies are interconnected. We know that, right. Yeah. And it's where we experience pain and emotions, obviously are different parts of the brain. However, they're very real, right? We mm-hmm. know when we're upset, we're upset. And, you know, we know when we feel pain, it is there. So there is a mental, uh, there's a mental phenomenon that occurs that coincides with how we're feeling pain, etc. And 
when you pinch yourself, right, you feel pressure, you feel some sort of pain. Um, but here's what's interesting. And here's why, why I think this, this makes uh, a lot of sense. And what I think is happening more mentally, that it's going to be very difficult to prove. That's why it's a theory. Um, if I were to pinch you, Mm-hmm. Now, the first time I pinch you, you would feel this pain um, completely. This is your first time experiencing this pain versus the amount of pressure I put on your skin as I pinch you, right? But if I go to pinch you again, you're going to flinch and you're going to experience the re-experience that pain before I actually even pinch you. Yep. So it's a reactionary response, right? Mm-hmm. My theory is that when we get sick from mold the sensitivity is the reactionary response that our body's telling us you're in a dangerous environment that got you sick and we don't want to get sick again. So therefore I am alerting you to the fact that you're in a dangerous environment. Yes. And that's the limbic loop, right? We get an exposure, we get sick, then the fear of that creates symptoms. And then the symptoms tell us something's wrong, which, and you get stuck in this loop. And that's where you have to go and you have to break that cycle. That's not to say mold isn't really making you sick. Mold is toxic. But it's our it's this overreaction of our limbic system saying, I'm just gonna start treating everything as a threat because I it's my it's our it's our limbic system's job to make us survive, right? Like that's the ancient part of our brain. It's it's their job to make us survive. And so it's just doing its job, but it's like going a little too gung-ho. It's become hyper-reactive to where you're right. Like I would literally, like I was reacting to supplements. I could look at a supplement and I would break out in hives and um, my throat would close because it's my brain trying to warn me, oh, that's not good. So we'll think about it like this too, right? So you have a traumatic spot, the response in in the body, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, you get a cut, what happens? Your mast cells, your white blood cells, they rush to that area, right? Um, I'm not sure how many white blood cells will rush to the area if I pinched you, but I'm sure there's going to be some to mm-hmm. go, going in there, ready to fight whatever's happening and making sure that there's no infection, right? But couldn't the brain trigger a similar response? Mm-hmm. You know, if the if the brain thinks that the body is in harm, mm-hmm. is going to trigger some sort of response, and your cells are going to respond to that response. This is what mass cell activation syndrome is, right? At, at the fundamental yeah. core. So of course you're overreactive. You're now sensitive to environments that, you know, you may or may not want to be sensitive to may or may not meaning, you know, this may or may not be as toxic as whatever you experienced in the past, mm-hmm. but your body thinks that there's too many similarities to what you've experienced in the past. Therefore you have this response your white blood cells start rushing over to the areas that they would typically rush over to, which is going to be probably gut brain um, mm-hmm. to fight an infection that is definitely happening, right? Cause you're being exposed, but may not be to the level that your body thinks that it would be. And that's, this is why, this is why I have this theory um, just because uh, there hasn't, there hasn't been great explanations of hypersensitivity. There's been some interesting um, phenomenons that have been occurring, but just from trying to make, I try to make things as simple as possible and come up with great analogies to try to explain complex topics. And that to me seems like the, the 
a great theory of what is happening in a simple manner that people can understand and digest. Um, but that's why that limbic re retraining has been so successful for you because you're basically trying to get your body out of that fight or flight response, right. And more into a, an environment that you, your, your body knows is actually safer than what once was. And, uh, you know, you're in a position where you can heal so it, it can shut down the walls mm -hmm. that it's keeping mm -hmm. up and the reactions that it's having. So it's, it's, it's actually very, very interesting. And, um, you know, I think that we just need to continue to study this and learn more about it and we'll nail it down. Um, but we, we won't continue to study it if we don't acknowledge that it's a problem in the first place. Absolutely. Yeah. Ashok Gupta, who created the Gupta program, which is one of the um, brain retraining programs that I did, he talks about it's like, I think he uses the Game of Thrones analogy where like everybody goes out to war. Well, now the war is over, but they don't realize it. And mm -hmm. it's like, no, go back. You can go back home. You don't need to keep defending right. the castle. The war is over, but they don't know that. And that's why we're like psychological stress is impacts us so much because our body has a physiological reaction to those things, especially when we're coming out of this period of like hypersensitivity or exposures. No, there's a PTSD that happens. I mean, you know, there was a client's totally. home that remediated and, you know, a year, year or two later, she calls me, um, you know, she had a leak in the basement. One of the pipes was leaking or something. Mm -hmm. And she called me mm -hmm. full blown panic mode. Like, oh my God, do I need to rip out my entire basement? What do I need to do? And it's like, well, did you build, did you, did you do any, did you add anything to your basement since I've last been there? No, it's exactly the way it was. Okay, great. Well, you have semi-porous surfaces down there, such as concrete and, and wood. You don't have any drywall. No, you know, what got wet? Well, the floor got wet. Maybe some of the two by fours. Okay, good. Well, when did it start leaking? Well, I did, I come here every day. And so I know for a fact it came just a couple hours ago. Good. Well, you have 24 hours. Mm -hmm. to try that place out, right? So you have dehumidifiers. Yes, I have some in the garage. Good. Bring those down, set them up, get it dry. And she just like sat down on the steps and like started crying. She's like, oh. you know, I, I, I feel like I'm crazy. I was like, no, you're being vigilant and you're, you, exactly. you know, you panicked, but it's rightfully so like you just went through this whole traumatic experience and fixed your home. And now something, you know, happened to your home that, you know, is causing a concern. This is all right. You're being vigilant. It's fine. And, you know, all of the steps that you expressed to me that you wanted to take that we discussed on this call is exactly the right steps and you right. got this and you, you should have more confidence in yourself. You know, you, you've learned a lot through this journey, you know what you're doing, but she just wanted to feel, she wanted to feel like somebody was telling her she was doing everything that was correct. And she was, but that's the kind of PTSD that, that can trigger and people don't realize that. And, you know, oh, yeah. It's really interesting because in my field, um, you know, I, I came born out of remediation, um, especially after Hurricane Sandy, when people got devastated. I, for like seven years, I was trying to solve the problem of fixing homes that were supposedly fixed, but scientifically were absolutely right. not fixed, right? And from that, you know, it's, it's you're dealing with people that um, don't really understand microbiology that are tasked with microbiological contamination cleanup inside of people's homes and it and it, it is, has done so much damage right because people wow. think that it's just not this big a deal and so it makes other people feel crazy for uh, absolutely you know oh absolutely 
Yeah, I haven't, I have not met, you know, it's really interesting. The mold community, we all find each other. And I'm, you know, I talk to people on Instagram daily who are going through this and find my hashtags or whatever, want to have conversations about this. And it's the same story, tremendous amount of fear. They know what they're saying. There's truth to it. Nobody believes them. They don't have the alibis. And then that fear gets out of control and it, you know, it just cascades from there. But, um, yeah, I think that's why the education is so important because people that haven't been through it don't understand the implications of what mold can do. My dad said to me, my dad's the most loving person in the world, but he said to me the other day, honey, you worry too much about mold. And I was just like, you have no idea what it took from us, you know? And so yeah. it's getting the information out there, hopefully proactively before people get to the point where they're getting as sick as I was from it. You know, and it's it's unfortunate that most people don't believe it until they're personally affected. Um, you know, there there are some people that have called me and said, you know, I'm not sick right now, but my neighbor was sick or my friend was sick or I had this family member that was sick and I don't want to get sick. What's the likelihood of me getting sick? It's like, well, I can't tell you that. I mean, there's so many factors and variables in this, such as how much mold do you have and how much mold can your body tolerate, right? But the reality of the situation is, um, you know, we should be proactive. We should care about water inside our homes. We should care about mold and bacteria inside of our homes. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, so why, why don't we care about it? Well, you know, because there's a food pyramid, there's not an air quality pyramid, right? Right. You know, and the food pyramid, you don't get me started on that. That was, you know, probably not the, <laughs> the, the best pyramid for, for quite some time. Right. Uh, but you know, it's, like we've always been told that, you know, food and medicine is what equates to health. And, you know, there was some time later that it's food, medicine, exercise. And now we're trying to say food, medicine, exercise, air quality, uh, you know, is, is really a more complete picture, but I don't know. I mean, even though we take 20,000 breaths per day, we consume more air than anything else on the planet. Some, sometimes people still have that trouble triggering and making that, that statement true for them. You know, COVID I think has helped, um, yeah. in that respect of yeah. people for the first time realize that, holy crap, there's a microorganism that is smaller than what I can see that can really make people sick. Um, I think that it has changed. I, I know helped is the wrong word because obviously it was created a devastating impact, but it changed the mindsets of folks, uh, who, for the first time can start to understand that concept. Right. And yeah. I think that's really important because we have to actually expand on that going forward. Right. Cause we have viruses, we have bacteria, we have mold. These are microorganisms that are in our ecosystem. We cannot do anything about that. Right. But if a right. new virus comes out, that's deadly or that's, that can make us severely sick. You know, it's interesting that we, we go all in on, Let's do everything we can to protect one another, right? Why aren't we going all in on on another right. microbe like mold? That's a and, that's a great point. That's a great know, question. Because we need yeah. to. We need to go all just like we all wore masks for each other and we all did everything we could to keep a distance from each other. We shut down, you know, the world for two years to to save one another and to help as many people as we could. We don't have nearly that much sense of urgency on mold, and mold is. Uh, you know, really a big problem. I mean, mm -hmm. you start tying in all the different the diseases and uh, oh. cancers and things that it causes, illnesses, jobs lost, lives lost, 
uh, aspergillosis, respiratory disease and infection that, that leads to death. I mean, you start taking all these numbers up, it's going to be devastating. The problem is that our eye is not even looking in that direction. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree. And I feel like it's so much easier to be proactive in your home than wait till there's an issue and then try to backpedal and get on top of it. We bought a house a year ago and I mean, that it was, the market was hot and it was so hard to buy a house at that time. And my realtor knew from day one, I said, we have to test our home for mold. Like this is going to be a really big piece of the puzzle. We aren't going to, you know, we're going to be picky in, in the market where people aren't, don't have that luxury to be picky. And, um, you know, did that when we bought this house. And now we, we just are very, very proactive. We run dehumidifiers, we run air purifiers, we test periodically, we stay on top of our house dust. We don't wear shoes in the house. Um, you'd be surprised how many people have a hernia taking their shoes off at your front door. You think you asked them to take their pants off or something, but it's like, <laughs> don't track that garbage in my house. You so know, much simple things you can stuff. do. Yeah. I know such some, you know, easy things. Um, just be vigilant of it. And it's, I just think it's easier just to stay on top of it than have to go backwards. You know what it is? It is. And, and you know, what, what I think people don't realize, like a lot of people say remediation and testing, it's all really expensive and there's no disagreement there. Um, mm -hmm. It is, but also that the problem with the whole thing of it is if we don't know about it and then we buy a house at the top of the market and then have no money left over to deal with something like that, it's catastrophic. But what if, what if we knew going into it, wouldn't that change things? So for example, I, I too am buying a house right now, um, hopefully closing next week, uh, fingers crossed. Cause you know, it's, it's been the running joke, um, yeah. trying to close for like three weeks now, but, oh, yeah. um, you know, the, I, I spent thousands of dollars testing the home, right? Why would I do that? Because I had to know before I took possession of that home, am I going to have to deal with something that is going to be really costly for mm -hmm. me to deal with? Mm -hmm. um, the, I mean, I, I got a really good deal on the house because I knew that there were certain problems going into it. I pointed it out to the seller, like, look, you have new stucco that needs to be done. All your windows mm -hmm. and doors are at the end of their life cycle need to be replaced. The roofs at the end of its life cycle needs to be replaced. That's like literally the whole house that we have to reconstruct from the outside in. Um, there are several leaks in, in areas that are going to need to be addressed, plus whatever the heck we come up with in testing. This is just the obvious stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to say, look, you can take my deal, which is going to be less than what you're off, what you're listing the house for, or you can get full price offers all day. It's this market, right? I totally understand. And I appreciate and respect you as a, as anybody would to try to get the best that they can. Right. Yeah. However, if you take my deal, I'll buy it as is. If you take someone else's deal, I guarantee you this house is back on the market in 60 days when someone does an inspection because all of these things are at the end of the life cycle. And I can see if they haven't leaked already, they, they, they're going to very soon. And, mm -hmm. you know, with that being said, he thought about it. Uh, he countered, I denied his counter because it just was not going to make financial sense for the amount of money mm -hmm. that fixed the place up. And he ended up taking the offer because I think he thought about it and said, you know, there are a lot of things. And he's like, you sure as is right. You know, so, mm -hmm. and I, and then I got at home inspection to learn anything else that I may have missed on my, with my own eyes. And um, review that inspection report. And at the end of it, there was nothing additional that I wasn't already expecting. So I got really lucky, but I accounted for it, right? Right. 
And, you know, it took me two years to find a place, especially with this crazy market, because yeah. most people wanted top dollar and it was falling apart. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so finally, I oh, found I a reasonable person. But had I not done that and had I just jumped at the opportunity and spent at the height of the market and had no money to, to fix the place up and didn't budget for it, I would be screwed. Even mm -hmm. though, I, even though I know what I know and I can do it myself, you, it's not practical. I would need help, right? Mm -hmm. So it would cost me money. Uh, there are certain things that, even though I know, I have to buy new things like an HVAC machine or a new roof. Those are things that I can't just do myself. I have to pay for. So we're all in the same boat. The difference is, is that we can do something about it if we arm ourselves with the knowledge and we go into things with that. We can do something about that. And I think that's really important because a lot of people, it's they're they're screwed because it's too late. Or yeah. someone took advantage of them because they didn't know at the time. Yeah, and that's just it, right? Educate yourself so you can advocate for yourself. You, if you don't have the education, you can't prevent it. Don't waive your home inspection. <laughs> Get, you know, do do your due diligence and um, yeah. know what you're going into. I, I post about this all the time, like, go look underneath the sinks is there water spots you know look in the backs of the toilets like check these things because they matter because once you're in that locked into that you you're going to be paying a pretty penny totally to get it fixed yeah i mean we have rights right but they go so far and you still have to mm -hmm. you still have to pay your way until you know you have a resolution and i think it's part of the problem too, is like people run the, run, run the gamble and say, well, if there is mold and I get sick, then I'll just break the lease. But, you know, when you factor in moving costs and, you know, the cost of the deposit and all these things, like, even if you get some compensation back, it's months later, you, you're, you're stuck. It puts you in hardship. And all it takes is just making sure doing the best you can, right. To identify mm -hmm. what sort of problems are you getting yourself into and I know, you know, I talk to people all the time. I know it's easier said than done. Things are mm -hmm. difficult. The market's crazy. You don't have time to test all these things, but you got to do the, you got to do the best you can. And you can't do the best you can if you aren't taking the time to educate yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's worth it to spend a little money up front. Um, I mean, we, we've added it up. We figured we've spent $160,000 in the last four years between doctors and treatments and travel and moving and you know, when we found out that our house had, well, we got rid of everything we owned. We completely started over. Um, it's just, it's expensive. It's an expensive journey. So it's worth it to spend the money upfront and be proactive rather than think you're going to get away without having to do it in the end. Yeah, no, this has been a very helpful and informative conversation. I think we've covered, you know, some great topics that have, that have yet to be discussed. And, um, you know, I think that it's important for people to have different perspectives on how to handle this and how to be proactive and, and, you know, really empower you to make the right decision instead of getting taken advantage of. So thank you for that. Let me ask you this, knowing what you know today, how would you have done things differently in the past that might've made your journey go just a little easier for you? Um, Ooh, I mean, I guess it depends on what point I, I have the knowledge. Um, obviously, being very proactive about the home that you move into is huge. Um, just not having the exposures. But I think the biggest thing was the amount of fear that was added into everything because it just exacerbated everything. And so knowing like if you do get into a situation where you have exposure or even where you're sick, like 
you can get well, you can get to a safe space. Like, you know, things can get better. Um, and just not letting it get to a point where, I mean, people are taking their lives over this stuff, you know, because of the yeah. lack of hope and how sick they are and how afraid they are of it. And, um, yeah, I think just now, you know, when we have situations, we had a little water backup in our basement and it was very much a situation of like, this sucks, but I'm going to handle this calmly because I know what to do. I know the steps. I know to do the dry out. I know to do this and this and retest and whatnot. And so just having the knowledge and having the faith that it will work out. It can work out and you can get well and I'm having to be terrified. Yeah, no, it's, it's really important and very great words of encouragement. Thank you. Um, this is a kind of a similar question, but a little mm -hmm. different. You know, what is, if you could only give one piece of advice to somebody that, you know, might be struggling right now, or might've been in a similar situation as you once were in, what would that piece of advice be? Uh, listen to yourself, listen to your body. Don't let people tell you you're crazy. You live in your body and nobody else knows, you know, you know, your body better than anybody else. And if it's telling you something, even if the whole world is telling you like these, these are not real things. Um, it's okay to advocate for yourself and it's okay to, to, you know, take the steps to get well or get to a safe space. And, um, yeah, just, um, don't, don't doubt yourself. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on here today and sharing your story with us and having this uh, nice table talk that we got to have and discuss some theories and, and all of the above. So I really appreciate it. Uh, if somebody wants to connect with you and, you know, maybe ask you a question or something like that, where, where can people find you? Yeah. So um, I'm in the process. I'm in school right now, putting together a business. Um, my website is not up yet, but once it is, it will be ATP functional health, which stands for all things possible because, you know, that's my, my mission and my message is that it is possible to heal. If somebody as sick as me can get well, then I believe everybody can. And, um, so ATP functional health.com or ATP functional health at gmail.com. Perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. Any Instagram or social media or anything like that? Um, I am on Instagram. It's all things health MT for Montana. Awesome. All things health MT, yes. Awesome. Well, Alexis, this was very great. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. And hopefully the listeners uh, listening have uh, gotten some good perspective out of this and can learn from, you know, kind of the, the entire journey and the process. And, you know, the, the common messaging obviously is don't give up, have hope. All things are possible. And, uh, you know, you got to keep moving ahead and uh, educating yourself is really the way through this. Yeah, great. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you.